championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the Lakers Nation live show. It is the offseason still, but not much longer. You know, the thought just occurred to me. This is right before I hit go live here. This is the last weekend we've got of no Lakers basketball. A week from Sunday, the preseason starts up October 3rd. I can't wait. We've got training camp coming up this week. We've got media day. We've got all kinds of things to talk about. Rob Palenka had a really interesting press conference the other day, gave away a lot of of his kind of thoughts on the way this offseason played out. So I've got a ton to talk about tonight. Thank you guys for joining me. If you're listening to the podcast version of this over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, wherever, make sure you follow us there. And don't forget to leave us a review. We appreciate that. Five stars would certainly be preferable. If you are joining me live here, you're on YouTube, you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter. Welcome in. Let's do this. I'm going to be taking your questions and comments tonight, talking about everything going on in the world of the Los Angeles Lakers. So right before we went on, about 20 minutes ago or so, I threw up a poll on Twitter asking who should be the Lakers starting shooting guard. And I, I listed as the possible names. Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, Taylor Horton Tucker, and Malik Monk. And to my surprise, Malik Monk, the last I looked, is winning that poll. If you guys aren't following me on Twitter, you can find it uh, at Trevor underscore Lane. Let me check it right now. Yep, still, with 33% of the vote, Malik Monk is leading that poll. Wayne Ellington has 29% right now. Taylor Horton Tucker in third with 23%. And Kent Bazemore, the guy who I've had most of the offseason, is probably the favorite to start at the two simply because of his defense, only has 15% of the vote. Interesting. You know, I, I could see somebody going Wayne Ellington. I could see THT. I was surprised, though, at how many people are voting Malik Monk, one of the young players to join the Lakers. Defensively, nowhere near Kent Bazemore's level, but this dude can shoot the ball. He can score, and I think he is. Indeed, an intriguing fit. Uh, somebody I'm seeing comments come in already saying that Malik Monk is deadly from three in 2K. That's why. Okay, that makes some sense. If Malik Monk is already going berserk from three in 2K, people are assuming it's going to transfer into real life. That makes sense. That is a good, a good. Uh, I'm seeing a, more, a few more comments coming in here, but no, that's that's good to know. Uh, people say Malik Monk will surprise you on defense. I hope so. I hope so because just going back and doing my own film studies on him, I've seen some concerning things, particularly off the ball. He gets lost off ball a little bit, which isn't uncommon for a young player, right? I'm not saying he's some terrible defender and can never be good at, at defense or anything like that. I'm just saying he gets lost off the ball a little bit and that's fine. He's young. He's young. It takes time to understand the defensive side of the ball and start to predict what's coming. Taylor Horton Tucker's in the same boat. He's got to work on that end of the floor as well. And I want to talk about him in just a bit too, because my goodness, Frank Vogel and Rob Palenka both issued a major challenge to THD, but I'm going to get to that in a minute. Malik Monk, I do think he can get there defensively, but it's going to take some time. And I don't know that this Lakers team really has the time. So he's got to come into training camp locked in. If he is, if he has started to pick up defensively on the sort of nuances of NBA defense, then yeah, absolutely. I think he could contend to be 
that starting two guard for the Lakers this season. All right, want to get into some of your comments here and a few of your questions. And then I want to talk about THT and this crazy challenge that Frank Vogel and Rob Palenka have laid at his feet. Uh, Luis Ayala from Facebook said he, I'm assuming he means Malik Monk, will have trouble guarding players like Clay Thompson because of his lack of size. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a challenge, right? When you don't have the size. But again, at the two, the NBA is getting smaller and smaller, right? That's just the way it's going. You're seeing guys who used to be twos play three, threes play four. I mean, look, DeMar DeRozan came into the NBA as a two when he wasn't playing anywhere else. He was a two. And suddenly he was a three. And then last season, the Spurs used him a bunch as a four. The NBA is getting smaller. So the lack of size for Malik Monk is not as much of a concern at the two right now as it would be seven years ago. It's it's just, it's not. It's more a concern about how does he read things defensively. All right, let's talk about THG because I'm seeing a, a discussion going on in our chat here about Taylor Horton Tucker and what he's capable of on the defensive end of the floor. So Rob Palenka and Frank Vogel both independently in different interviews essentially said that THT is going to be asked to replace Alex Caruso and Contavious Caldwell-Pope on the defensive end of the floor. And that made me wonder, oh my gosh, is it THT? Is Taylor Horton Tucker the starter? And there is some evidence that points that direction, right? I mean, look, you've got not only what they just said, that he's going to be asked to replace those guys and defend the other team's best perimeter player, but he also got paid like he's a starter, right? He's the fourth highest paid player on the team. Fourth highest. And I know there's a big gap. There's a big gap between LeBron, Russ, AD. They're all up there with their max contracts. And then you've got everybody else on a better minimum. And then THT in the middle. Well, you've got Kendrick Nunn on the taxpayer mid-level. But still, THT, 31-ish million that he got over three years. Everybody else is either on the mini mid-level, which is about five and a half million, what Kendrick Nunn got, or veteran minimum. And then THT is up there. So clearly the Lakers are expecting more out of Taylor Horton Tucker this season. They're expecting him to make the leap. Is he going to start? I think it really comes down to his shooting. I think he can make an argument to be a starter if he can shoot league average from three. If he can't, I think it's a real challenge putting him next to Russell Westbrook. I also think there's a little bit of skill set duplication in terms of Russ being that guy that wants to put a ton of pressure on the rim. Taylor Horton Tucker, similar mindset. Now, Palenka also mentioned that THT, the game needs to slow down a bit more for him. And that is normal. When a young player really makes the leap, you'll hear that phrase a lot. The game slows down. Brandon Ingram, I'll remember vividly, uh, the season where it really clicked for him, his last season as a Laker, in fact, it was part of the way through, it looked like the game finally started to slow down. Like, he was getting to his spots, and nobody could really do anything about it. That's where everything changed for him. So, Taylor Horton Tucker, it's about the game slowing down for him a little bit, about him reading things, not being... 110 miles an hour every single time down the floor trying to just get the ball to the basket. But it's going to help a lot if he can shoot. And last season, he only shot 25% from three. That's not good enough for defenses to actually care when you've got the ball behind the three-point line. They're just going to sag off of you. So that's a concern. And then defensively. Defensively, can he really fill that role? I think physically, yes. Physically, 
He's got what it takes to be an incredible defender. He's very strong. 6'4", 7'1", wingspan. You guys have heard that over and over again. Ridiculous physical profile. But a lot of defenses is up here in the mind. What kind of a defender can he be mentally? How can he read the game? Can he get passable on that end of the floor? And again, it takes time. I'm not saying Taylor Horton Tucker is just naturally bad at reading defense. No, he's just young. He's just young. That's what happens with young players. It takes time to learn NBA offenses, what they're doing, how to respond defensively. There's a lot, especially now. You look at the NBA right now. My goodness, defense is so complicated because the offense is that much more complicated. I went back the other day and I was watching some old games on NBA TV. I was watching some games. um, I forget what the game that was on. It was the Phoenix Suns and they were playing. Oh, it was the Golden State Warriors. It was the, uh, the run TMC. Warriors against the Phoenix Suns and Charles Barkley was out on the floor for Phoenix. You look at how much more, it almost looks like a different sport, how much more simple the game is. I watched for 10 minutes straight and every single play down was some variation of ISO on one side of the floor, one guy attacks and gets to the basket and then that's it. Five offensive players all beneath the three-point line all in the paint area, uh, running little things to create 15-foot jumpers. Very, very different NBA back then. And then it really stood out when Barkley ran pick and roll. Oh, no, no, it was a, a Warriors player. Ran pick and roll with Chris Mullen. I think it was Chris Gatling. Ran a pick and roll with Chris Mullen on the on the wing, and they actually got a good look and a score for it uh, out, of, uh, out of this play to Gatling. And it stood out like somebody ran something that had some motion to it. NBA offenses don't run like that anymore. There's a lot to read and react to when you're on the defensive end of the floor, and they're looking to make defenses make one decision after another, after another, after another, until they make the wrong decision, and then offenses will exploit that. So it's a challenge for a young player. That's my long-winded way of getting to this. It's a challenge for a young player like Taylor Horton Tucker to step right in and become that guy that Caruso and KCP were for the Lakers last season. But that's exactly what the Lakers, Frank Vogel and Rob Palenka, are asking him to do. Uh, Jalen Jackson from YouTube. Russell Westbrook contract extension. When? Uh, Russ, I don't think that's that's something that's ha- going to happen like right now or anything like that. In fact, I'd have to look and see exactly what the terms would have to be on a contract extension. We could be in a situation where he's better off not signing an extension. Now, he does have a player option next season. I believe it's at about $48 million. Uh, So I don't know that he would be one to extend his contract right now. It might make more sense for him to play out another season, make a decision on that player option, and then go from there. Obviously, the Lakers would love to keep him, would love to have him around. The general consensus has been for a long time that he's picking up that player option. But that's also what we thought about Chris Paul. We thought Chris Paul would pick up his player option as well. Instead, he did not. Instead, he opted out, signed a new deal with the Phoenix Suns in order to get more years on his contract. Maybe we see Russ do something like that. But it's nothing where I'm too concerned about getting an extension for uh, for Russ right now. <laughs> Robert Gonzalez, hey Trevor, have you seen the leaked videos of the Vegas workouts? Thoughts? Yeah, I have. It's like, Somebody's got their phone up, like looking between the slats somewhere. It's like spy camera style of this Vegas workout. I saw the the video. 
Uh, the Lakers were running some simple back screen stuff, just very basic stuff um, that you just work on just kind of messing around in, in training camp and, and things like that, just trying to get guys on the same page, um, which is what they really should be doing right now, is just getting on the same page, getting used to each other, getting timing down, things like that. As I recall, there was one where THT was kind of diving to the basket. Great. But I'm not going to – I don't think there's anything profound to really take away from that. It's not like we saw, I don't know, LeBron and AD practicing a pick and roll and then you've got a weak side screen coming and somehow freeing up somebody unexpected. Like Malik Monk comes flying in for a baseline alley-oop out of nowhere. So it's not like they're working on some crazy secret play. It was very simple stuff that they were doing, which, again, is to be expected right now. So I don't really have a major takeaway from that because I don't think there was a whole lot to take away. But I will say this. That kind of speaks to the bigger picture here. What's going to happen a week from Sunday, October 3rd, what's going to happen is we are going to hyperanalyze everything early on, right? It's just, it's just what happens, just naturally, right? If somebody has a great game on October 3rd on the first game against the Nets in preseason, we're going to assume that's just what that guy is now, right? Or if they, have a, if they struggle with something, we're going to worry about it, right? It can be two plays, and we're going to hyper-analyze that. We see Malik Monk step on the floor, and he hits two threes. Everybody's going to be like, through the roof, and think his ceiling is super high. This time of year, that happens. And that's not just a Lakers thing. That's across the NBA. So let's try to keep that in mind, that what we're going to get early on is a very small sample size. Yes, it's important. Any information we can get right now is going to be informative, but we have to remember that it's also going to be a very small sample size and not to try to draw conclusions just yet, at least not definitive ones. Kyle Roberts from YouTube. If THT can improve his three-point percentage, maybe about 36 37%, and defense improves, would you think he may get the starting spot mid-year, or would you prefer him off the bench? Yeah, if he's shooting 36-37% and he's defending well, absolutely. He 100% should be getting the starting spot. But, but, here's the thing. He shot 28% last year. You're talking about a 10% increase, just about, in three-point percentage. That's a lot. That's a lot. On top of asking him to become this great defensive player. That's a lot for a guy. Again, he's not 21 yet. He's two months away from being 21. He's still 20 years old. I think that's asking a lot from a young player. So I wouldn't assume that's going to happen. But if it does, if it does, great. Great if it happens. And yes, I would think if those two things happen, THT shoots extremely well from three and solidifies himself as one of, if not the best defensive players on the wing, yeah, he should 100% start. Uh, Lorenzo Jefferson, I'm calling it now. Melo's going to ball out with his three-point shooting. I love it. I love it. So here's the thing. Uh, Rob Polinka mentioned this. He said Carmelo Anthony, and so this was in, in his uh, press conference the other day, he said Carmelo Anthony, his elite skill is as a catch-and-shoot player. And he felt like the Lakers were kind of lacking that. And you can see that, right? Look at the playoffs. Look at round one against the Phoenix Suns. How much would the Lakers have loved to have had somebody like Carmelo Anthony, who when the the paint is completely collapsed, you can kick the ball to him. And you know, number one, he's not going to hesitate. How many times did we see Lakers players hesitate to shoot the ball? I'm talking Kyle Kuzma, Caruso, all these guys that didn't want to shoot for whatever reason, did not want to shoot. Guys were hesitating. Carmelo Anthony's not going to do that and can knock down shots at a high clip, right? I've talked about this a bunch. Kuzma shot 17% from three in round one of the playoffs. KCP, the best three-point shooter on the team, 
shot, I believe, is 22%, maybe 23%, right? And these guys are better shooters than that. That's a small sample size, but still, Carmelo Anthony, you can trust. You get on the ball, he's going to bury shots. And Polika was careful to say, look, we know he's not just a catch-and-shoot guy. He can do more. We think this is what he is elite at. And guess what a roster with three superstars needs? Catch-and-shoot guys. Guys who can take advantage of the fact that the defense is paying all their attention to Russ or all their attention to AD or LeBron. Not paying so much attention to Carmelo Anthony sneaking along the baseline there. And next thing you know, the ball gets rifled out to him and he's got a wide open jumper and he will kill you. He will bury teams on these wide open jumpers that he's going to get. So I'm excited about having somebody who can fill that role. Now, sure, there's plenty of questions defensively. I've seen a lot of people in Portland say that he is washed on defense he's not going to give you anything there look it's a fair concern but I'm saying the minutes that Melo is in he will be a weapon on the offensive end of the floor for the Lakers and I'm excited about that I can't wait to see it uh Damone Ward from YouTube says I'm surprised nobody mentioned none I think he would be the best fit yeah Kendrick Nunn here's the thing Kendrick Nunn is He's a point guard, but he's a point guard like a name, really. He's a scoring point guard, right? He's not a guy who's going to get out there and organize your offense, set up your plays, and run all that kind of stuff. That's not really what he is. He's a scorer. 15 points a game last season for the Miami Heat. By the way, steal of a deal to get him on the taxpayer mid-level. He's a guy that most people were pegging to get 10 to $15 million per season in free agency. The Lakers got him for five. Yeah. Nice. I will take that. But... Kendrick Nunn is a score first guy. And so that's led to some people debating, and I've kicked this around too, whether or not he could actually start at two for the Lakers. Because so many teams are going smaller, can you get away with Kendrick Nunn being your shooting guard? Maybe. I mean, it's it's an idea, but I don't think he's a natural fit. And so if I had, so on Twitter, when you do a poll, you only have four options. That's the, the max you can have. I wish you could do five, but you can only have four. And so Kendrick Nunn didn't make the cut. He's not, if I could have added a fifth though, he would have been the fifth option. And actually I had some people mentioning, I should have, I missed a great opportunity. I should have listed him as an option, but done it as none of the above. As in Kendrick Nunn of the above. But I didn't, uh, didn't think of it at the time. So I just put that poll out there. Somebody said that my enthusiasm right now reminds you of last year when we acquired Trez, Gasol, and Schroeder. Yeah. Look, I mean, I've said this before. I know, looking back, hindsight being 2020, we're saying, man, Trez, Gasol, Schroeder, it just didn't quite work out. At the time, though, those moves were great, right? Not every move is going to be a home run. And that's why I've been saying there's some of these guys that might not work. That's what happens, right? That's what happens in the NBA. But if you go back in time, would you change those decisions, right? Do you think that the wrong decision was made in bringing in Trez, bringing in Schroeder, bringing in Marcus Gasol? No, no, those, those were easy yes decisions. They didn't work out, but the process was fine. The process in making those decisions was great because if they work, again, they didn't work. 
But if they work, you're getting a player who's young, just 27 years old. What, Trez was 26? You're getting young players in who can give you some fresh legs coming off of a short turnaround and could provide skill set that you needed. Right? You needed a guy like Dennis Schroeder. That's why the Lakers win got Russell Westbrook, because Schroeder couldn't quite give them what they needed. They need a playmaker. They found Westbrook. That was the, the point of those moves. So I think those were clear, easy decisions. Easy decisions to make, to make those moves for the Lakers last season. I think they were great decisions. The process was fine. It just didn't work out. That's sports. That's the way it goes sometimes. You can make a move that you think is going to be great. And then things just don't go the way that you think that they would. Look, I saw people, I saw people on social media last night who were saying right before a kickoff, they traded for Christian McCaffrey, traded away a bunch, and it looked like they thought they had the guy. They had, they had the guy that was going to lead them to a championship. And he hurts his hamstring in the middle of the first half. Things happen. Things, sometimes things don't go according to plan. But I think the process was still good, and I think the process this offseason has been pretty good too. I'm really impressed by what the Lakers have done. You bring in Westbrook, and then from there, you have to round out your roster with the taxpayer mid-level and the rest veteran minimums. And look at the team they put together. It's impressive with nothing but veteran minimums and a taxpayer mid-level. Steph from YouTube, do you think Westbrook is an underrated defender? I think Westbrook is an underrated defender when he wants to be. Like, I think there's large chunks of the season where he isn't really going all out on defense, and that's not unique to him. That's a lot of star players over the course of a long season. Um, So I don't think he's... I think he gets a bad rap defensively, but I think he will look better on the Lakers because of the Lakers system. So Blink actually mentioned this. Um, The Lakers lost a few key defensive pieces, right? Alex Caruso, KCP, players like that on the way out. They lost some guys. And one of the ways that they're going to replace those guys is not just with THT, although that's a big part of the puzzle here. It's also with Frank Vogel. They're leaning on the Frank Vogel effect that Vogel is going to take guys who haven't historically been great defenders, and he's going to get great defensive performances out of them because that's just what he does as a coach. The Lakers lost LeBron, they lost AD, and they still maintain their spot as one of the best defensive teams in the NBA last season. So that's one of the things the Lakers are going to rely on is Frank Vogel. And so I think we're going to see a better defensive Russ Westbrook than we've seen in years past. But he still does have that negative reputation on defense. He's got a negative reputation in general. And let me me say this. He's one of a few guys in the NBA right now where their contract bleeds into their perception as a basketball player. Right? You look at Russell Westbrook and you can say, is he worth $90 million over the next two years? Probably not, right? If we're being objective, probably not. That's a lot of money. That's a lot. But does that mean he can't help you on the floor? No, not at all. But we have this thing where we're so obsessed because of trades and everything. We're so obsessed with is the contract a value or not that a negative value contract infects our opinion of the person as a player. And those are two separate things. Those are two separate things, right? So we need to keep that in mind. 
when we're looking at Russell Westbrook. And I think from a Lakers perspective, it's especially important because fans around the NBA have a very negative opinion of Russell Westbrook right now. He's not a winner. He doesn't win. Uh, he doesn't come up big in the playoffs. He's inefficient, things like that. We're so focused on the things that he doesn't do well that we miss everything else that he's great at. And that's unfortunate. And I think the contract plays a role in that. So I think that's one of the things that I'm most looking forward to this season is getting to appreciate the things that Russell Westbrook can do well. Okay. The three point shooting, by the way, in workout videos, he looks great shooting the three, which means nothing. It means nothing. Okay. It's nothing until it's something. Ben Simmons shoots threes in workouts. In, in pickup games and things like that. Every summer drives people crazy. He shoots them then. But Russ looks pretty good shooting the ball right now. Will that translate into the game? That's a whole other question. But until he proves it consistently for an extended period of time, teams are going to give him those three-point shots. And we'll see. We'll see what he can do out there. But I'm excited to see what Russell Westbrook can bring to the Lakers and uh, think that he's somebody that we would like to disassociate the contract from and appreciate what he can do on the floor. Apex Predator from YouTube with the Super Chat said, Hey, Trevor, are the Lakers going to sign Ennis? You know what? At this point, we're just waiting. We're waiting. Like, we know they're going to sign three days. In the next three days, they're going to sign somebody because they want to get it done before training camp starts on the 28th. The Lakers will sign somebody. They brought in James Ennis for a workout. I've said it for a while now. I think he is the most obvious fit. It's not just me saying that either. Uh, I did the NBA front office show, which you guys can subscribe to. I put a link in the comments down below. Keith and I did an NBA front office show, long, very wide ranging one that we did today because there was a ton of news out, a lot of different things the teams were doing, but we spent a lot of time talking about the Lakers and even Keith, who's not a Lakers guy from an outsider's perspective, who has spent a lot of time covering James Ennis because he lives in Orlando has spent time covering James Ennis, said James Ennis is clearly the best player out there on the market. That's him. That's not me. That's taking away my Lakers bias, right? In terms of what I see this roster need, Keith looked at it from his perspective of just who is the best talent out there right now, period, forget forget position. He said it's James Ennis. So I would like to see the Lakers make that move. I think that would be a quality signing for them. And if at the end of the day, you're telling me that they had to sacrifice a second round pick in order to get the Grizzlies to take on Marc Gasol, but in exchange, you're going to get an open roster spot that's going to turn into James Ennis, I think that's a pretty good swap. I think that's pretty reasonable. So, in addition to saving a lot of money. So, James Ennis, I think, is the guy, but again, we'll find out sometime in the next few days. There's a number of names they've kicked around. Kenneth Farid is out there. Isaiah Thomas is out there. Darren Collison, Monte Ellis, on and on and on. There's lots of guys they've looked at. They're signing somebody because they have to. They have to. League rules, 14 players. You have to have 14 players. So they will be signing somebody. Um, They want to do it before training camp. They have to do it before the season officially starts. But if they get it done before training camp, that means the next three days, they're going to sign somebody. So keep a lookout for that one. Avery Bradley, I'm seeing people mention Avery Bradley. He signed with the Warriors. He's on a camp deal with them. We'll see if he can stick there or not. Uh, Xavius Roser from YouTube said, what are your thoughts on Rondo's role on the team? So Rondo is, and Frank Vogel mentioned this, he's probably not a guy that's going to play every night. 
It's just that's not going to be his role at this stage. However, Rondo's role is going to be when he's out there on the floor, it's going to be to organize things on the offensive end. And I think a lot of it is going to be to act as a coach on the floor. I mean, we talk about player coaches, right? We used to have that in the NBA. That used to be a thing. Player coach, right? Somebody who was the coach and a player. That's basically going to be what Rondo is. Um, He thinks the game at a different level than a lot of players in the NBA. He is known around the league as one of the smartest basketball minds that we've got, period. And so his role is going to be to organize the offense. And when he's not on the floor, it's going to be breaking things down, breaking down things in film sessions, coming up with a lot of the schemes and things the Lakers run. I keep going back to this, so you've probably heard me say this before, but Rondo has been credited for the game six against Miami in 2020, the defensive performance of the Lakers, a lot of the schemes they deployed in what I thought was their best defensive performance of the season, it came from Rajon Rondo. So it's going to be him as a voice behind the scenes, him helping to orchestrate what the Lakers look like out there in terms of what sets they run, how they set up, things of that nature. And then when he's on the floor, it's being that organizer, being that creator for them. So that's what we're looking for from Rajon Rondo. He's another player where a lot of what he does and the value that he brings is not going to be apparent by him physically being on the floor. A lot of it's going to be behind the scenes. And that's something we have to keep in mind when we look at Rajon Rondo. Bhavan Patel said, I hope Rondo becomes a coach on our staff. Yeah, look, someday, and who knows, it might be next year. Might be five years from now. Rondo is going to be an excellent coach. He just is. Daniel Middleton from Facebook. That Oliver guy, he's talking about Cam Oliver. They signed, played well against us. He might sneak on the team. Probably not, but he's interesting. Okay, Daniel, I'm so glad that you brought this up. So Cam Oliver. Cam Oliver has been playing in Australia. Got a 10-day with the Houston Rockets last season. And he dropped a career high. Career high, because he only played four games. Career high, 17 points on the Lakers. Yeah. And he even had a 360 dunk, if you remember that game, when the Rockets played the Lakers last season. Um, He's interesting. He's very interesting. He can play small forward, can play power forward, can shoot a little bit from outside, at least enough to be respectable. Pretty strong. Strong finisher around the basket. So he's a guy to keep an eye on, but he's on an Exhibit 10 deal. So most likely what's going to happen with him, it's the same thing that's going to happen with Chandi Brown, who I love. Mac McClung as well. What's going to happen with these guys is most likely they're going to be cut and then play with the South Bay Lakers. That's probably what's going to happen. Now, who knows? It's possible. Cam Oliver, maybe he gets into camp and he's tremendous. Maybe he's great. And the Lakers just say, man, we, ha- we need this guy. And they decide to give him a roster spot. That could happen. Okay? But it's very rare. Typically, guys on Exhibit 10 deals, they get cut. In fact, the Clippers already signed a, signed a guy, Jordan Ford. Signed him and cut him already. Signed him to Exhibit 10 contract. Waited the, I think it's 24 hours. And then cut him. Haven't even started training camp yet. Signed him to the Exhibit 10 contract and cut him already because they knew he's not going to make the team. Didn't have a spot to bring him into camp, but they wanted him with their G League team. And so he will wind up going down to their G League program. Um, That's how Exhibit 10 contracts work. In exchange for going to the G League team, you get an extra $50,000 when you're on an Exhibit 10 contract. So it's an incentive to not go play overseas or something like that and to stay within the team system through the G League. So that's most likely what's going to happen to Cam Oliver. 
But I'm excited to see him and get a look at him and see what he can bring. Same thing with Chandy Brown, who really impressed me in summer league. And of course, same thing with uh, Mac McClung as well. And then, of course, add in, you know, Austin Reeves, Joel Ayayi. These guys are interesting to keep an eye on moving forward. Um, I've got somebody that said, we got Wong Zeeland's draft rights as a possible. The Lakers would call him to report at some point in the future. He didn't want to play for the Grizzlies. I don't think so. Um, those draft rights were just thrown in. Like he got drafted in 2016. Uh, if he was going to come to the NBA, he probably would have been here by now. I mean, look, weird things happen in the NBA. Never say never. But the Lakers didn't acquire his draft rights to bring him over. He was he was put in the trade uh, to send out Marcus Gasol. He was put in there just because you have to get back something. You have to, by league rules. If the Grizzlies could have sent back nothing, they would have. But you have to put in something, so they just threw in the draft rights to a player that they knew was not coming. And he said, I like your cup, Trevor. Oh, thank you. It's like a color change cup uh, from my wife's old work that uh, that she got. Brian said, Trevor has the Larry O'Brien trophy in the back, already in the back. I do. It's actually a replica of the 2020 uh, title that uh, that the Lakers won, uh, courtesy of Foco, who sent that to me. And I've got another one that's going to go to the winner of our Lakers Nation Fantasy Football League this season. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Somebody said, Trevor already has a trophy before the Clippers. Yes, I guess we can say that I have more championship trophies than the Clippers do. I like that. That's a great way to look at it. I like that. Uh, Bobby Bernardi from YouTube said, any word on the leaked purple jersey? Is it legit? It looks legit. I think it is. I think it is. When we look at the... um, I don't know if we want to call it the lore jersey or the city jersey. I think it's a 75th anniversary jersey, technically. We'll see when they officially get released. But I do believe that's going to be it. The the purple with the Lakers across and the, and the white. And then they've got the um, – I've seen some that have like the teal trim around the white lettering. We'll see. We'll see what winds up happening there. But I think they set the bar so high with the black Mamba jersey that every jersey is going to be a little bit of a dis- disappointment because it's so – Good. I love that jersey so much. Uh, Matt Creeks, what day is media day? Will it be live stream? It's the 28th. 28th is media day. Uh, I know it's going to be taking place virtually. I think a lot of it probably will wind up being streamed. Uh, They've only allotted, from what I saw, the Lakers allotted like two hours for media day, which is, is not a lot if you know the way media day goes. So that would mean every player is going to speak for like three minutes or something, which I don't think is realistic. I don't think that's realistic. So I would imagine it's probably going to go a bit longer than that, but it's the 28th for media day. Uh, Jedi, Jedi Gaitista from YouTube said my compliments from Brazil. Welcome in from Brazil. Always great to see international fans coming in. All my family is a Laker fan. Any news about Davis? Yeah, we actually have some really good news about Anthony Davis. And it's 
anecdotal, but still, you've got Frank Vogel, who was on Spectrum Sportsnet with my buddy Chris McGee, and mentioned that he saw AD come in. The coaching staff is, is kind of talking, and they watch AD come into the facility, and they saw the kind of shape he's in and noticed that he's kind of, you know, bulked up. The, the word that Frank Vogel used is he's imposing. And I thought he looked a little thicker, a little stronger, a little bit more muscle on him when that picture started circulating of him at SeaWorld about a month ago. And Frank Vogel adds in that, yeah, he looks imposing. And the coaching staff kind of all said to each other, like, this is going to be a really good season. That's exciting, right? Seeing a healthy, in shape, ready to go Anthony Davis, because we didn't get that last season. Because of the short turnaround, we didn't get that AD. But now we will. And so I'm excited about that. I think AD is going to have a bounce back season. He's going to have a season where he reminds everybody just how good he is. Remember, the 2020 playoffs, said this a bunch, but the 2020 playoffs, AD was so good. Like, he was league MVP good. Like, if he played as well as he did in the playoffs throughout an entire season, he's probably the league MVP. We could see that guy. That's the high end. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying that's definitely what we're going to see, but he's got that in him. There's that possibility. And I almost feel like he's getting overlooked a little bit, right? Because we focus on Russell Westbrook, the shiny new toy. LeBron's always going to get a ton of attention. So Anthony Davis is kind of more quiet. Rob Palenka mentioned that he doesn't put, he's not the kind of guy who puts his workouts on social media and things like that. He's a little more behind the scenes, which is fine. But he kind of gets forgotten in that mix a little bit. And I think he's going to remind everybody just how good he is and to not forget him. <laughs> somebody said, random drug test coming for AD. Yeah, like a couple of seasons ago when Alex Caruso, somebody photoshopped that picture of him in the gym and made it look like he had really bulked up. Like he looked like Captain America, right? After getting the super soldier serum. That's what Caruso looked like. And he just randomly gets a drug test by the NBA. <laughs> it was a Photoshop picture again, so it wasn't real, but. Uh, Mark Mark from YouTube, do the Lakers fill a 15th spot with Kevin Love if he gets bought out? Uh, could be Kevin Love, could be anybody, but that's what that spot is going to be earmarked for. Somebody who's bought out midseason. Okay, and that could, who knows, maybe it happens in October. Like, remember a few seasons ago when Tyson Chandler got bought out by the Phoenix Suns really early. That's rare, though. Usually it happens in March. Trade deadline this year, I believe, is going to be February 10th. Don't quote me on that, but somewhere near the beginning of February, will be the trade deadline. And then in the weeks after that, the buyout market will heat up. And then usually it's the beginning of March that marks as the deadline for a player to be on a roster and be eligible for the playoffs. So you'll see the buyout market heat up right after that. That's when I would expect the Lakers to use their 15th roster spot. But you never know. Maybe Kevin Love gets bought out in December and then he joins the Lakers. That's possible. I think if Kevin Love does get bought out and the Lakers have not used their 15th roster spot, he, I think the Lakers would be the favorite to get him. I just think it makes a lot of sense for everybody involved, for Kevin Love to join the Lakers. That's what that spot's going to be earmarked for. But we have no guarantee that it's going to be Kevin Love or that he's even going to be bought out. He's owed $60 million plus over the next two years. That's a lot to buy out. He's going to have to give back X amount of dollars. Maybe what he wants to give back is nowhere near what the Cavs want him to give back. And you're just at an impasse. That's possible. So we'll see. He's got to get bought out first. But I do think. If the Lakers have an open roster spot, if Kevin Love gets bought out, yeah, I think the Lakers will be the favorites to get him.
I've got somebody from YouTube asking if I bought that trophy from somewhere. I, uh, it's from a company called Foco, F-O-C-O is the, the company that sent me that trophy. They also sent me, and this is, I love this, my Anthony Davis championship bobblehead sits here. Um, so no, but, uh, but they sent those to me to help, uh, help promote a little bit. And we're also doing one for our Lakers nation fantasy football league. So I don't recall off the top of my head how much they cost, but you guys can check them out. It's F O C O. Uh, that's the company that sells those. Somebody asked Cam Oliver to replace Ayayi as a two-way player. That's possible. So I think that was my biggest disappointment from Summer League was Joel Ayayi. I, I had higher expectations for him, and I don't think he showed very well. However, I've seen the argument being made, and maybe there's some truth to this, that his play style is at its best when he's playing with other good players in a set system. Like, he's going to really shine when he's not expected to be, like, the best player on the floor. He can fit in along other players. And there's probably some truth to that. So I do want to see what he can do here uh, in the preseason, see what the Lakers uh, really have in him. Because I didn't walk away from Summer League super impressed by him. But again, it's possible that when the level of play goes up, he's going to look better because he's going to be getting the ball in better positions on the floor where he's going to be really able to take advantage of what's going on. So he's one to watch. It's possible that if it doesn't work out, he could lose his two-way spot and they could give it to somebody else. That is possible. John Brown from YouTube said, much support from Detroit. Thank you. Thank you from Detroit. Do you think Melo should start? I think Braun respects him enough to be cool with him starting. I wouldn't start him. And I'm not saying he's not talented enough. I'm saying when I look at the fit, I don't see Melo as a three anymore. I don't. I don't think he's got the foot speed to do it. I think he's a four. I think he's purely a four. Maybe you even have him masquerade as a five in some super small ball sets. But I don't think he's a three. And so in your starting lineup, even if you go small with AD at the five, LeBron's then your four. I mean, I guess you could put LeBron at the three and Melo at the four, but I just don't think you start him. I don't think it makes a lot of sense to keep him as a as a starter. I think you're gonna you're gonna magnify the defensive issues, right? Because you're gonna be going up against the other team's best guys. And so to ask him to check somebody that's out there, like imagine if it's Paul George, imagine if it's Jimmy Butler, somebody like Carmelo's not going to be able to stick with those guys. So I'd rather bring him in off the bench and let him do what he does and be that kind of microwave scorer. And then late in games, if there's the opportunity to go to him, you go to him. But I don't think you start him. I just don't think that's what you do. Uh, People mentioning LeBron has slimmed down. Yeah, that's another thing that Rob Polinka mentioned. That LeBron has slimmed down a bit. That he's quicker, more explosive. So here, you know, I mentioned this the other day. I did a video about this, uh, maybe it was four days ago, five days ago, about LeBron and about how I've seen so many fans of other teams that have been saying, LeBron, he's done, right? He's washed. We saw it in the playoffs. He doesn't have that explosive, but doesn't have the burst anymore. My response was, of course he didn't look explosive. He had a high ankle sprain. That's what high ankle sprains do. It robs you of your explosiveness. I use the example of Saquon Barkley. What happened with him in 2019? High ankle sprain. Took him three months to regain his explosiveness. He got back out on the field, 
but he wasn't explosive until three months after the injury. That's when he really went back up to his true production level. LeBron, same thing. He didn't look quite as explosive, but we expected that. He had high, high ankle sprain. There were so many people that chalked that up to age rather than injury. And I think that's a mistake. I think that's a mistake to look at what we saw to LeBron in the final 10 games that he played post-injury and assume that's what he is now. People have forgotten. I don't know why. It drives me crazy. People have forgotten that he was the MVP before Solomon Hill rolled up on his ankle. He was the odds-on favorite to be the MVP of the NBA last season. If LeBron had played the entire season, I am very confident that he was hoisting the MVP award. Okay, and yes, I'm biased. I'm wearing purple and gold right now. Nikola Jokic, take nothing away. He had a great season. Joel Embiid, worthy candidate. It was going to be LeBron. And people are just writing that off. And now LeBron's coming into camp slimmed down. And Palenka's already saying more explosive because he's not carrying quite as much weight. Not that he's ever been overweight. He hasn't been. He's always ridiculously in shape, but he's coming in lighter. That's great. So I think that we're really going to see an energized LeBron James to start this season. All right? Him slimming down, that's fine to start the season out. Doesn't like, I don't know that you want a big bulky LeBron coming in, carrying extra pounds on him, putting that extra strain on himself. I think a slim down LeBron James is just fine. And I think we were already going to see a more explosive LeBron than what we saw towards the end of last season, just naturally, because his ankle injury will be healed. But now you've got the fact that he's trimmed down a little bit too. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what LeBron looks like. Let's see what else we've got here. Uh, Dre Lifestyle uh, said LeBron is getting MVP or AD. I don't think either of them will actually this season. I think because you have LeBron, AD, and Westbrook together, none of them are going to get the MVP. That's just kind of how it goes sometimes when you have that much talent on the team. And that's, I'm sure they would all sacrifice an MVP for the team they've got right now. I've got Elwin from YouTube. Hey, Trev, do you think LeBron can pass Kareem in NBA all-time career points? Yes. Yes. And I haven't gone over the numbers on this in a while, but I did last season. And as I recall, essentially it came down to if he stays healthy, he could break it. This is off the top of my head. So, you know, just keep that in mind here. I want to say it's the end of not this coming season, but the following season. He could, in theory, break Kareem's record. Might even be the season after that. But again, that's he's got to stay healthy. He's got to continue scoring at a high level. But this is one of those sports records that we thought would never fall. And I think it's very reasonable for LeBron to actually break it. I think it's very, very possible for him to break it. Again, assuming he can stay healthy. But he's on track. Uh, Pumpkin Seeds from YouTube. It's a great name for the, the fall season that is coming here. Westbrook, LeBron, Rondo, AD, Howard, Jordan, Lob City. Yeah, you know, that was another thing. You guys are just, I've got on my list here, all the things from Rob Palenka's press conference that I needed to talk about in this show. And you guys are just teeing them up for me. This is great. Everything that I needed to get to, you guys are just checking off one after another after another. Rob Palenka talked about Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan about how one of the goals for the season, he had three goals for the season. Shooting 
playmaking, and to go back to two defensive rebounding traditional centers like they had when they had JaVale and Dwight Howard. And he feels like they accomplished all those goals. And I would agree. If those were the three goals, shooting, playmaking, and having two defensive rebounding centers, I think they've done that. I think that's mission accomplished there. But one of the things the Lakers didn't have last season was, number one, guys who were good at throwing lobs, because Schroeder was not great at throwing lobs. He was often looking for his own shot. Um, We talk a lot about how there was one lob all season between Schroeder and AD. Some of that's on AD for not really attacking the basket like he needed to last season. Didn't quite have as much bounce. Some of that's on Schroeder as well. But you also didn't have lob targets. Think about early on in the season. If you remember the beginning of last season, I know it was a while ago, but you think back to the beginning of last season, there were a few times where the Lakers threw lobs to Trez and they were about a foot too high. And it was like everybody on the team kind of had to adjust that Trez was not Dwight. Because if that's Dwight, that's a hammer dunk. He's throwing that down. But against but for Trez, it was too high of a lob. And so you didn't see the Lakers throw as many lobs last season. This year, with DeAndre Jordan, Dwight Howard, both of them excel at throwing down lobs. It's what they do, what they've historically done in their career. And yes, they're not in their prime. But that's what those guys do. We are going to see more lobs this year, I believe. And Westbrook's pretty good at throwing them. Rondo, we know, can throw them. LeBron can throw them. Yeah, should be fun. Tim L. from YouTube throwing in the stats on points. LeBron is at 35,300 points. Kareem's at 38,300. So, yeah, he's on pace. As I recall, LeBron over the course of an of a regular season, let's say 1,600 points a season. So yeah, you're probably looking at towards the end of next season. Very end of next season if he plays the whole season. Let's see. Let's do a few more. I've got somebody from YouTube said, Hi, Trevor. Our main problem from last season was shooting. Do you think we improved this offseason? Uh, yes. Yeah, I I think that they definitely have. So I crunched the numbers on this, and I went and looked at it. If you took the Lakers right now, as they are, everybody on the roster, and I included volume in this calculation, if if they shot exactly as they shot last season, the current team right now, the Lakers would rank, I believe it was 14th in the NBA in three-point percentage. And I know that sounds bad, right? That, That sounds like, what do you mean 14th? They were 21st, I believe it was, last season. 21st, 22nd, something like that. And so you'll say, well, that's not a huge increase. 14th, maybe it's 15th, right in there. Middle of the pack, basically, in three-point percentage. And that doesn't sound like a lot. But if you were to remove, so Russell Westbrook shot like 31% from three last season. THT shot 28%. Anthony Davis shot like 26% from three. All three guys that I think can shoot better. Can shoot better from three. Now, maybe what? Russ shoots 33%. THT shoots about the same. AD maybe gets up the league average 35%. That'd be great, right? If you take those guys out of the equation, the three worst three-point shooters on the team, THT, AD, Russ, take those guys out. The Lakers would rank second. Second, the team they have right now would be second in three-point shooting. Three-point percentage would be second in the NBA. So that tells you how good these other guys they brought in are at shooting. They've landed shooters to the point where if they shoot the way they did last season, which is not a guarantee, 
and you get a small uptick from Westbrook, THT, and Anthony Davis in three-point percentage, you're going to be potentially a top 10 three-point shooting team in the NBA. That's what they've brought in. So yes, I think they've brought in good enough shooting. I think they've got enough guys where you have to respect them. That's the thing here, right? Having three-point shooting isn't everything, right? But not having it for a spacing sense is. If you don't have three-point shooting that other teams have to respect, it's not so much, hey, we need to be this percentage. Do teams care if player X is behind the three-point line? If they don't care, that defender is going to be in the paint clogging things up. That's not what you want as an offense in general. Big picture. Your job is to spread the defense out as much as possible, create as much space as you can, open things up so you can score. If, you want, if you're a soccer fan, it's the same thing. People complain, soccer is boring. They're just passing the ball around. No, what they're doing is they're trying to stretch the defense out of shape. They're trying to get the defense to make a mistake, create an opening, create space so that they can attack. Basketball is the same way. You're trying to create as much space as you can on offense. And if you have guys that the opponents have to respect behind the three-point line, you draw them out. You draw them away from the paint. So that's important. So I think when we look at this Lakers roster, they've added guys that, whether we want to quibble over percentages or not, guys that have to be respected from behind the arc. You can't leave Carmelo Anthony. If the ball gets swung to Carmelo Anthony and he's wide open, the other team is going to go, oh no, and they're going to hustle out to him. They're going to do everything they can to get to that shot. Same thing with Malik Monk, with Wayne Ellington. They've brought in these guys that have a history of knocking down, sh- knocking down shots. Now, I will say there's that effect. It's weird where everybody's three-point percentage just goes down when they become Lakers. Hopefully, we finally break that curse. But I do think that based on what we see right now, they've done enough to help their three-point percentage. Uh, Matt Creeks from YouTube. Trevor, do you ever want to anchor Access Sportsnet for the Lakers? Uh, yeah, that would be that would be a lot of fun. I would definitely enjoy doing something like that. Maybe someday that'll be uh, that'll be in the cards. But yes, I would uh, I would love to do something like that. Pumpkin seeds from YouTube. Well, we're, we'll do a few more guys, and then we'll uh, we'll call it a night. But pumpkin seeds from YouTube. What teams are the dark horses in both conferences? Okay, so dark horse. So we want to talk about teams that aren't in that top tier. Now, Dark Horse, do we want to talk about Dark Horse playoffs or Dark Horse championship? Because Dark Horse championship, to me, would be like the Utah Jazz because they've never, I mean, look, that's maybe stretching it, but they haven't shown that they can have success in the playoffs. So a lot of people are writing them off as a championship team. As far as playoffs go, um, a Dark Horse team, I think there's a very clear gap in the East where you've got some teams that are bad, the Cavs, the Magic, these teams are just not good. Uh, I'll say Toronto. Toronto because they played in Tampa Bay last year. They didn't have home games. And so people have just kind of written them off. I think they're actually better than what we think they are because they didn't have home games last year. Now, yes, they lost Kyle Lowry. That's definitely going to hurt. But I think that they could be a playoff team in the East that a lot of people are writing off. In the West, uh, as a dark horse playoff team, there's a few teams here that, that really could fit that bill. I'll go Sacramento, though. Maybe this is finally the year they get it together. Uh, I like the players that they've added. They have way too many centers. I don't know what that's all about. But I like De'Aaron Fox a lot. Uh, Buddy Heald, obviously, is somebody that uh, that I really like. So I think they could be a team. I, I wouldn't 
predict that. I wouldn't project that. I'm saying that it would be still a bit of a surprise, but I think they could be in there. The Wolves as well. The Wolves could turn things around. I know they're kind of a mess right now, but I think they've got the talent, especially if Anthony Edwards hits, uh, hits another level. Uh, when are we getting some Lakers Nation swag? Somebody asked about. Oh, man. I mean, uh, if we start to do, and it depends on COVID and all that, if we start to do watch parties and stuff again, we gave out a lot of swag. Like right before everything shut down with COVID, way back, gosh, it was so long ago now, March of 2020, uh, we gave out a lot. We gave out swag bags and all that kind of stuff. So I can't wait. I'm hoping we can we can do that stuff again. Oh, in fact, somebody's asking. Shana138 from YouTube said, hey, will you be doing any games, uh, post games live from the bar like you did a few times right before COVID? I loved it when you did it in that format. I'm really hoping, I'm keeping my fingers crossed and hoping we can do that for opening night this year on October 19th, but it kind of depends on how everything's looking. But that would be my hope and my goal that we can do that because that's so much fun. I love being able to get together with Lakers fans, with Lakers Nation, talk to everybody enjoy the game together, do the show right after the game. It's a ton of fun. So I'm hoping, 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 fingers crossed that we can do that. Uh, Somebody said, could a bulky AD be more injury prone? Potentially. I mean, if he put on like 30 pounds, maybe, because then you're carrying a lot of extra weight on those joints and things like that. But I think in general, you want him physically stronger so that he can stand up to the pounding in the post so that when guys hit him, he doesn't fall to the floor. He's able to absorb that contact. So I think that's going to be key for him. So I don't think putting on a little bit of muscle is going to increase risk of injury for Anthony Davis. If anything, I think it's going to help. Somebody said Bermuda loves the Lakers. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, Carol Zarbano said, I think you can if you wear a mask. Just wear a mask and be safe. Hopefully, if they enforce masks, it can be possible. Yeah, you know, I've got um, some Lakers Nation masks that I've been wearing all over the place. So, hopefully, that will be good enough. Brian from YouTube said, who are your favorite non-Lakers players? Uh, Robert Covington is one of mine. One of my favorite non-Lakers players. Plays for the Blazers. Luca, I'm a big fan of Luca. Just his game in general, how cerebral he is at such a young age. Always a lot of fun to watch him play. Jimmy Butler, his aggressiveness. He's a guy that I love to tune into. Uh, I still enjoy watching Lonzo Ball. I'm definitely going to check out some Chicago Bulls games to watch Lonzo play. I've really enjoyed seeing his game progress. Same thing with B.I. Brandon Ingram's been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Julius Randle, I'm still a member of Randall Island. I know I'm naming a lot of former Lakers, but with the Knicks, watching Julius Randle. LaMelo Ball, of course, is a lot of fun to watch uh, up there or out there in Charlotte. Uh, Who's another one? Jonas Valanciunas. And I know he wound up in New Orleans now. Jonas has always been a guy that I've really liked his game. A little bit of a throwback style game. And I've kind of liked that. Just that bully in the paint. Um, it's kind of fun. And it's, it's a different thing than you see on most nights. So I like watching him too. Christmas Day game is going to be crazy. Yes, somebody's mentioning that. I agree. That is against the Nets. That's going to be a lot of fun. 
Somebody said from Thailand, not too many fans here. Feels like I'm all by myself. Shout out for the whole country. Let's go Lakers. Well, welcome in from Thailand. We're, we're glad to have you. One of the things that has amazed me the most since we started doing this, since we started doing these live streams, since we started doing the live post games, has been the passion and the volume of the international fans. It has been so, so cool. It blows me away. It's still, to my mind, I, I literally had goosebumps when we did our live, our, our live watch party right before, again, a year and a half ago now. But when I had a couple people come up to me and say that they flew in from Australia to come to our watch party because they had been, been watching our live streams, blew me away. And it's so cool to see how the game has grown internationally uh, from people in England. I've got some pals uh, there in, in England that watch. Um, that's always fun to, to get to chat with them. And Craig, Marie, Kai, Kendall. Hey, guys. Uh, then, of course, in, uh, in Australia, I've got people from Japan that have messaged me. I've got people, obviously, from Thailand. We've got the Philippines all over the place. We've been getting people that are watching the Lakers. They're following the sport. Very, very cool. One of my favorite things since we started doing this. Somebody saying from Trinidad and Tobago, from Cambodia. Awesome. Very, very cool. I'm so excited about that. Uh, Last one here. Brian from YouTube said, do you think the shooting manipulation fouls are going to make a significant impact? I hope so. I hope so. Um, I hope that they do. Because I don't like seeing that in the game. I don't like it. I know it sounds like old man yelling at clouds and all that. But in my mind, if the goal, and I think the NBA has has kind of made this distinction as well, not in these exact words, but in my mind, if the goal of the play is to get the whistle to blow rather than to score the basketball or, or whatever, if the success of the play, let me rephrase, if the success of the play is determined by whether or not the whistle blows, that shouldn't be in the game, right? When you see a guy who gets a defender in the air, but the defender is flying by and they jump sideways into them, Nobody shoots like that. That should not be a foul on the defender. Same thing. If a guy is dribbling down the floor and a defender happens to be running next to them and the guy jumps next next to him to run into the defender, that's not a foul on the defender. That's created by the offensive player. I don't like that the NBA has already said that they're not going to call it when a player goes around a screen and then stops and pulls up so the guy behind them runs into them because I think a lot of guys don't pull up straight up. They jump backwards. They have said if a guy jumps backwards, they'll, they'll look at it. But I'm curious to see how that's going to be enforced. But I really do hope that cleans up that part of the game and we get rid of it because it's not how things should be played. You saw the play in FIBA over the summer with the Olympics. It was much more aesthetically pleasing not seeing that kind of stuff in the game. So hopefully that's not there. Uh, somebody mentioned, I think some streamers don't realize that people around the world watch you, even if you're not a huge channel. For instance, I'm South American. Yeah, I think so. And I've got somebody saying El Salvador, uh, New Zealand, Jamaica. It's amazing. Mexico. Fantastic. And that's, again, when we started this, and it's been years now, but when we started this, I didn't anticipate that. I was not expecting that either. So that's why it blew me away so much to see so many people around the world. And it is just the coolest thing. It really is. All right, let's finish with this. Uh, Mark Mark said, AD should hire MJ's strength and conditioning coach. So you know what? I think that Anthony Davis, he looks like strength and conditioning wise, he's in good shape. We'll see 
how he looks in just over a week. That's right. We're almost there. A week from Sunday, the Lakers play. And we're going to be getting training camp updates all of next week. I can't wait. Again, puts a smile on my face. This is our last weekend of not having Lakers basketball. We are almost there. Let's go. I can't wait. All right, guys. Appreciate all of you, whether you are in the U.S. and this is you spent some of your Friday night with me or if you're somewhere else overseas and it's maybe Saturday morning, whatever. I appreciate you guys joining me tonight, talking a little Lakers basketball. Always a lot of fun. Um, reminder, we're going to go Tuesdays and Fridays Pacific time. So next Tuesday, we'll go at the same time, 8 o'clock Pacific time. Friday, we'll go 8 o'clock Pacific time. And then we're going to convert back into being a post-game show. So as soon as the game ends, and we're going to do this for preseason two, as soon as the game ends, we're going to go live and talk all about the game with you guys, break it all down. Again, thanks so much for joining me. Do me a favor, everybody. Make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. My goal is to hit 400,000 subscribers before the season starts. We're on pace. I'd appreciate it if you guys would hit that subscribe button. Till next time, everybody. Stay safe and see ya.